4: Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
5: It's 11.59 p.m. at Jacob Marley's grave, and you're listening to Night Call. And welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your holly days and jolly nights. I'm Molly Lambert, and with me in Los Angeles is Tess Lynch. And over in New
6: York, we have Emily Oshita, your ghosts of Christmas
5: past, present, and future. (laughs) Well, this is a very special episode where we reflect on the night calls we've had this year and all the things that happened on Night Call but I wanted to pose a question, much like we originally started our show, deciding which of the members of the movie Zodiac we are, um, which we can maybe cut to a clip of here, even. What are you guys feeling? Do you, wh- what's your sign? What's your Zodiac? Well, I said, because Tess uh, just showed up here today with a stack of papers printed out from the internet, and I decided that means that she's the Robert Gray And I just took that. Well, because he's the one who like does all the research and has all the papers, all the files. He's a doodler. Yeah, he's well, a doodler. I'm a doodler.
6: <laughs> and uh, Molly,
5: Emily, you expressed an affinity for Ruffalo.
6: Well, I feel like I'm I'm Mark Ruffalo in most movies if he shows up. I do think in this case too, especially when I was an editor, I feel like you have to be the no fun person a lot, and so I had sympathy for. Tosky because he's like a detective and he's not like he doesn't get to have crazy conspiracies or like go on crazy benders like like Robert Downey Jr. does. He kind of has to just like be a regular detective and like carry out the you know. He gets
5: to wear a cool sidearm though right? He does. Like a cool gun holster.
6: Yeah and he has good ties. He has bow ties. I like his style (laughs) a lot probably of all of them. Um, I do like how he kind of as as things go on and as Graysmith kind of takes the case into his own hands, I love the way that he sort of secretively aids him by like saying, well, I didn't tell you this, but blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. I, I have a soft spot for Toski, and I feel like nobody else would pick him also. so
5: My friends have a Columbo party apparently every year. It's, it's a Columbo Halloween party where everyone just comes dressed as Columbo. Great. And this year it was apparently Columbo or Mark Ruffalo and Zodiac. Nice.
6: <laughs> um, I feel like this is all pointing towards Molly being Avery, which I think is, uh, I mean, I, I know you want that
5: houseboat. You know I want to be the Robert Downey Jr. character in anything. Yeah, I mean, me too. But when I'm honest up with until, myself. Up until Iron Man, at which point I don't care anymore. You don't want
7: to be you an arms be dealer? Man.
5: <laughs> no, I don't want to be an arms dealer superhero. <laughs> I mean, there's just a string of performances where he's so amazing. Yeah. Uh, starting with less than zero. Yeah, I was going to say oh. less than zero.
0: RDJ is not too shabby. Heartbreaker he himself.
5: Um, and uh, you know, Chaplin is a good movie. I enjoyed him in Wonder Boys. Yeah, there's just, you know, I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. There's oh, just yeah. a long, a long period where he's really great in everything. Uh, and then he had that last little comeback, and now he makes Marvel movies. yeah
6: That's our our final answer. Molly is Avery, Tess is Graysmith, and I'm Toski. And that's it. There's no more argument that it's settled.
5: Um, I was thinking maybe we could decide which of the ghosts of Christmas past, present or future do you identify with?
6: So the the ghost of Christmas present is like the big, like fat guy with the fruits and all the like plentiful, like a turkey around him. And I think stuff, so. Right? Yeah. He's a jolly man. Um, and then the ghost of Christmas future is
5: like the devil, basically. Um, I believe it's like the ghost of Christmas past is Jacob Marley. No, um, no, no. The Ghost of Christmas Past
6: is like a little boy or girl. I feel like it's a child. <laughs> We've um. It's an
0: angelic spirit. Oh, it, Wikipedia. and it
5: brings you to your own Christmas in the past. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you get to look at a Christmas in the past. And then the Christmas present is you go to your nephew's party that you didn't actually go to. And they're like, where is Uncle Scrooge? We all love Scrooge. (laughs) Everyone misses him. And then his wife is like, isn't he kind of a horrible person? They're like, oh, he's a family. Holidays, they sing! Don't they
6: sing? Thank you very, very much. Or no, no, no. That's when he died. That's in the future one. <laughs> well, the future, then and then everybody's celebrating his death.
5: Everyone's celebrating his, his death because he wouldn't let anyone have time off for Christmas from work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ouch. Feel like the Ghost of Christmas uh, Future is pretty cool, pretty metal.
8: Wait,
5: what's, yeah, the, what's ghost the deal with it again? <laughs> That's the one who's like the scary. Oh, yeah, the The Scary,
1: he, he oh, yeah, the grave. scary okay. one yeah, yeah. shows you
5: your grave and it's like, this is what happens if you don't repent. Yeah. I really liked mm. A Christmas Carol. Did you guys get into like Dickens and stuff?
0: I really liked it, but I haven't read it or seen it in such a long time. I
5: just love anything where there's like a million iterations of it. Right, and it's yeah. like in the public domain, so anyone can do it. You were trying to get us to do a Scrooge episode, and I feel like we both vetoed that. Well, <laughs> there are some other good a Christmas Carol remakes. There's like a Muppet one that's good. Oh, the Muppet one is good. They're there's a Mickey Mouse a Mickey one, one that is like one that I watched a zillion times as a child. Right. They're all just like wedged in that weird part of your brain. And there's something really nice about the format. Yeah. Um, I love when I realize anything is going to be either A Christmas Carol themed or It's a Wonderful Life themed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Are you guys It's a Wonderful Life heads? Uh, Absolutely. I love It's a Wonderful Life. I'm
0: too (laughs) fragile, man. You're too fragile? Yeah, I'm really fragile about it. It's very dark. It's like the darkest movie. I remember there was one winter when when I watched it and just thought like I kind of just made myself like I it, midway through I was like I don't think you can handle this and by the end I was just crying so hard and I was yeah. like don't do this to yourself Tess. that's why
5: people like it though I know I know it yeah. gives you the you can just ventilate all your tears oh, your holiday tears maybe <laughs> this year i do, do it as Jimmy
6: Stewart just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm Jimmy Stewart. That's my, my answer to this question. Uh, no, I, I guess I guess I'm the ghost of Christmas past. Um, I, I if if we have to choose, I'm an angelic spirit. You're sure, the I, you're the angelic not.
0: spirit. <laughs> I think I'm present. I like. I like that. <laughs> I think I'm pro- I think I'm very paranoid. It's all about like, you know, here's what everyone thinks of you. You should feel terrible.
5: Oh no, but you also just talked about how you like a bounty of sauces, which is what I feel like it's, the ghost yeah, of Christmas gluttony, present is all about. It's but it's also
0: paranoia. It's like, well, you know. You you
5: also have strong negative feelings that you wish to express recently about holiday food that you realized <sighs> you actually hate holiday food. I hate holiday
0: food. I pumpkin pie has been spared my wrath, but the rest of it can go fuck itself. <laughs> to be honest, really be happy holidays. Yeah, you know what? It's it's one of these weird contracts that you sign into as a human being, where you agree to make the same thing everyone else. Ma- I mean, you don't have to, but I did this for a long time. You have to make it, and then you have to eat it. You have to sit down and eat it for as long as it takes to finish it. And it's t- it's just a terrible, soul crushing exercise. in like being a lemming, you know, don't do it. Question (laughs) reality.
6: Make your own Christmas meal. Next year I'm having duck confit. There you go. (laughs) No No, joke. That sounds great.
0: (laughs) With dipping
2: sauce.
6: (laughs) Duck a la sauce. Exactly. Uh, This is all to say that we are doing a little bit of a clip show this week um, and going through some of our favorite night call moments plot plot lines themes recurring recurring issues that we visited over this first year of doing our podcast and a lot of that comes courtesy of our wonderful night callers and night calls that we get so i think we are uh, we all want to say thank you to our listeners. Yeah, for bringing thank us you. All your weird stories and questions and stuff because a lot of them went to
0: unexpected and fun places. I think we genuinely have some of the best listeners of any podcast. They're just the most interesting. There's very little, like, everyone seems to have something that's so vague in common where it's yeah. just kind of like a weird vibe that we all have in yeah. common. And uh, it's led to super interesting discussions across. Media. I would
5: also like to do. We did an, a live event close to Thanksgiving this year. Uh, maybe we can make it a Nightsgiving tradition. Yes, and that would be great. Have Emily next time, and we'll all eat something that's not holiday food.
6: Sauces. <laughs>
0: we're going to do sauces at every night call event. There will be
9: sauce.
6: Yeah. Uh, so we're going to kind of take a little. I don't. I don't think it's definitely going to be uh, linear time wise, but just to sort of uh, meander through night calls past. Uh, some of our favorite murder boards, ice cream trucks, and other uh, familiar faces that we that we uh, that we had fun with over the
8: year. So,
5: so yeah, meditate on the past, enjoy the present, and think about the future.
8: Hey, night call, ladies. It's eight forty four p.m. in hot Austin, Texas, and I've got a question for you. My name is Maggie, and I just found out what Mukbang is, M-U-K-B-A-N-G, it might be Mukbang, and I want to know what you girls think of it, because I think it's horrifying, <laughs> and I also feel that it's a tool that anorexics could use to, you know, essentially get their fix without eating food. Um, yeah, so if you guys can weigh in on Mukbang or Mukbang, bang, I appreciate that.
0: Okay. Thanks. Bye. Um, I have to say that mayonnaise being killed by millennials is awful. It's a travesty. Somebody on Twitter recently um called out the fact that like when people don't like mayonnaise and they try and put other stuff on their sandwiches, it's beyond disgusting. I think some of the substitutions that he listed were hummus. Pesto, also wrong. I mean, there were so many things that just can't replace mayonnaise. I would put all these things on a
5: sandwich over mayonnaise. Hummus? I mean if it's a pita, oh okay, the thought of mayonnaise right? in a pita bread just made me like throw up. Oh, Ew. I love it. And oh. tzatziki,
0: which is like mayonnaise adjacent. So, the,
5: I no yeah. tzatziki is fine cuz yeah. tzatziki is yogurt. It's just a mayonnaise problem. So it's the
0: fact that it's not dairy. It's like uncanny valley it's for like you. the texture. It's like the, it's like gross.
5: It's like I hate the taste of it. What about tartar sauce? It's, that's the exception. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's my thing. Aioli, tartar sauce. If it's in something and I can't taste it, it's like, you know, good direction.
0: Okay, okay. If I notice it, it's bad it's this bias that you have against what mayonnaise stands for. Again, it's
5: like, no, it's not. It's like literally sometimes I'll like try something and be like, oh oh, no, there's mayonnaise in this. Oh no. I'm out. Like a dip ruins
0: a lot of dips for me. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, it's definitely better to err on the side, I think, of yogurt or sour cream in a dip. I bet I could make you a dip with those ingredients, sneak in some mayonnaise and you'd have no idea.
5: I'm saying if you sneak it in and I have no idea, then it's fine. If it's in like a deviled egg, it's, yeah, maybe it's fine. Double if it's dicks. like mix up in a yolk. If there's something else to like
0: So if you make it more mayonnaise-y by adding
5: yolk. But again, it's like something is like swimming in mayonnaise. I'm just like Well, so swimming in anything's a bad
0: idea other than the sauce they have at Din Tai Fung, which oh, is yeah. the black and vinegar and, and the vinegar soy sauce can stay. And, and the, the ginger.
5: The, I'm just saying there's so many other sauces that are better. Also, Give me your isn't, sauces. Is not mayonnaise like a spread? There's no time that I don't want mustard more. What kind of mustard do you like? Just, like, any kind. Really?
0: Yeah. My parents think I'm crazy because I'm into yellow mustard. I like yellow mustard. They think that's, like... like a like, a hot dog or something. I think it's trashy people's mustard. They eat the, it like, is whole grain mustard. mustard. So the five mother sauces, I don't know if you have any feelings on these in French cooking. Go on. Bechamel, velouté, espagnole, French tomato sauce that has a name that I forget, and hollandaise. I mean... Are you going to nix hollandaise because it's too much like mayonnaise? No, I like hollandaise. You're such an enigma. I don't know where you're coming from. <laughs> half I the time,
5: I only ever have it on eggs benedict. I've like made it. I feel like I went through a. Sauce you can make it in the microwave. Um, I like mustard the most. I think mustard does the most work.
0: Limited capacity for mustard. I did you turn on soy sauce? I love soy sauce. I thought that was your favorite no, soy sauce. Soy sauce is my favorite sauce. It's my favorite sauce. It's my favorite sauce. Twinsies, uh, but also ponzu. When you have ponzu, all of a sudden, you're like, soy sauce is pretty basic. Where do you fall on ketchup? I like ketchup okay, but I do not accept any ketchup but Heinz. Well, Every other ketchup tastes whack. I don't know why. <laughs> it's something. There's I some think kind right, of sweetness. Though. The sugar ratios are off, off on other people's. Can I mention for anyone in L.A. that one of the sauces that I'm really addicted to right now is from Dave's Hot Chicken? And they have, like, this really... It makes your heart race, though, which is like I'm not sure why. Because there's a lot of salt in it. It must be that. But remember it's like when I drank more... all that soy sauce? Well, and was, I was I wasn't was going to bring die. it up, but yeah, you did. You you drank a bunch of soy sauce, and then you got really concerned that you were going to die. And you you get two sliders, and they're huge. And then you get like a bunch of tubs of sauces because you take and take. And then you go home, and like 15 minutes later, you're sweating. Your heart is well, pounding. Well, I think there's
5: just a lot of salt in everything. Good. It's true. I love the zanku garlic
0: sauce, the zanku chicken. They have that it's like basically the same thing that you can get at Trader Joe's, the garlic yes. spread. Well, that's like when you get fried clams and you have the cocktail sauce and the tartar sauce and you can like alternate. See,
5: I always go for the cocktail sauce though and that No, you got to alternate.
0: Yeah, or Because the cocktail sauce eventually it it's too What if you
5: just alternate with the cocktail sauce and like vinegar? The no malt vinegar.
0: You need the like. I like the like pickly, <laughs> <laughs> the pickly smooth. You know what I mean. The pickly. It's smooth. the pickly smooth. Can we
5: get sponsored by Heinz tartar sauce?
0: Seriously, we, no. Well,
8: honestly. Hi, I'm very behind, and I'm just now listening to you guys talk about whales and how whales came from the land, which is creepy. But then you talked about hippos, and I had to call in because. Um, I'm obsessed with the story of hippos moving to Colombia. So you should definitely look it up. But Pablo Escobar had a weird zoo on his property, and he had all these hippos brought from Africa. And when he was arrested, they started escaping. And now Colombia has all of these hippos. And it's like exactly the same climate as Africa, but without the drought. So they're becoming the dominant predator. And everyone thinks hippos are cute and cuddly, just like Carvel did, but actually they are dangerous and terrifying and i think like the second or third most like deadly predator. so it's a huge problem and Colombia doesn't want to kill them because Colombia has reputation problems and so it's just becoming this like epic problem and they're just everywhere and it's an amazing story and i just thought you guys should know so happy night call
6: The side note, um, like very shortly after I got married, um, I bought my first pair of Tevas. um, (laughs) And I feel like this like this transformation took place over the course of one week where I'm like, I love my Tevas. I'm going to go be a tourist and wear my squishy sandals. You entered Teva mode. (laughs) Seriously, because like when it's raining that much. You, you can't even really wear boots because it'll just get inside the boot. So I just thought, why fight it? Just be barefoot and let the water wash over you your You became feet. a forest
5: crab yourself. I did, <laughs> yeah. I,
6: I became slightly amphibious. So we were leaving um, Nanzenji, which is this um, huge Buddhist temple. And of course, as we we're leaving, like the 5 p.m. was the closing time. So we couldn't be inside anymore. And then it just starts pouring down rain. So we were just like running, like bolting down this path, um, trying to get back to the subway, which basically took an hour because. It would start to lighten up and then we'd start walking and then it would start pouring again and we'd like find shelter under the nearest thing. But we were staying outside of Kyoto in this, um, like a, a Ryokan, which is like the kind of a bed and breakfast, like the Japanese version of a bed and breakfast. And the one we stayed at is like they had this river side thing where they turned off all the lights at a certain point so you could see the fireflies, which was so funny because it reminded me of you, Molly, because... There were like three fireflies on the river. Oh, because you were nights. with me
5: when I saw the fireflies yeah. in New York, and yeah, It was like, "You lost I, your shit. Lost out. What mind. are those?" Yeah. Well, I think I've said this before, but this is like a lot of LA kids I know have this thing where the only place we've ever seen fireflies is on Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. Wait, so yeah. at this bed and breakfast, did you have to have communal yeah. breakfast and dinner? Um. Yes, it's yeah. very
5: old school. Communal and formal, tables and are like our Tessa's worst nightmare.
0: They are.
6: You don't have to talk to anybody else there. <laughs> there except, we go. <laughs> except this this place, like many of these types of super traditional, like I would say, like fancy Ryokans, had um, geishas. Like they they come through and they like perform some kind of dance or whatever. But then they come through and they talk. Like to each table, and you have to talk to them, and you have to talk to them, oh. and it's like the one of them that came through and talked. She spoke a little more English, and it was okay. But then the rest of them mostly don't. And so I was speaking to them in Japanese, and my Japanese is really bad. I would rather be at a communal table with the other people who are staying than than with. Yes. <laughs> Keisha, <laughs> what honestly. did you guys talk about? Like, oh, where are you from? And. I found it to be supremely awkward, Ugh. but like the drunk businessmen who were there for dinner got a, got a kick out of it. So this campaign was started a few years ago in Kyoto to get um, more people to use public transportation and to use the subway. They decided like the best tactic to attract people to the subway would be to make like cute anime girl mascots for the train. And so it's called like the Moe Moe Kyoto like campaign (laughs) Um, and they have like they have this full cast of characters um, and there's uh, like the the main girl she has like a brother and then another one of her friends has a brother and there are all these bios for them and I think they made some kind of short animation but it's just hilarious because like all of the subways are plastered with these ads of like these cute anime girls like holding their their subway passes and like showing how cool and cute it is to have a subway.
5: Does it work? <laughs> do people ride the subway more? I'd, I I guess I guess
6: it's been successful because they've kept it up. Somebody at this who works for the city. Yeah, made up How do we these, get like, this job? Yeah. <laughs> but there's one of the guys who's like kind of like a jockish guy wearing a pink hoodie. Uh, is named Takeru and says Takeru attended the same high school as Ryo and his best friend who's like the other boy there. He has an easygoing and optimistic side. After graduating from high school, his desire to become a bread maker led him to study at a bakery in Kyoto. He likes how people can buy bread around Kyoto's subway stations.
5: Now I'm just picturing somebody (laughs) riding the train and falling in love with one of these characters.
4: Hey, uh, I think I called the right number. Dylan, I'm leaving you a night call. Um, so, something about targeted ads. Uh, I said something about how I was very upset that there was a new Coke. Uh, it's Coke Zero replacing the old perfect Coke Zero. And then I got an ad on Twitter that was like, Dylan, there's someone else in Austin. out of an Austin. Uh, someone else in Austin named Chris or something who also didn't. I wasn't ready for the new Coke Zero to come out, but look at this video we made that convinced him. And that was when I threw my phone into the ocean, and uh, I'm calling you from a tin can.
5: No, but, you know, it's, like, the things I find charming about it are, like, the fandoms and stuff like that. Sure, and the goth yeah. fandom for Disneyland has always been, like, by far the best Disneyland fandom. Yes.
0: Holly, have you and ever been to Bat be Bat's be Day? And why would
3: that be, Allie? Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to Bat's Day, but I did, I did grow up goth. I started dyeing my hair black at, like, 12. And my, I have very curly hair, and my sisters would sing share songs to me to taunt me. And I was like, <laughs> no! I
5: was like, oh. <laughs> um, Allie, why were you so goth? <laughs> you no, know,
3: I grew up in this town that was wealthier than we were, but had good schools, and so there were people like like Hildegard in my high school. And I transferred there in like sixth grade. Someone's like, "You've never been to a Benetton store? You don't have anything Benetton?" And I was kidding. like, "No." And so I think I just was like, "Well, fuck! I'm not gonna I'm not gonna assimilate that way. So I'm just gonna go head the other direction." So I was like, "All right, I only wear old military things I get from just from thrift stores." Before you know it, it's a slippery slope. You're wearing black <laughs> eyeliner's lipstick, you
0: guys. It how long? Happens. How long was this period of your life?
3: Probably like thirteen to like 22, maybe. Whoa, and commitment! I, I know. Yeah. I moved to LA and was like, oh, I guess it doesn't work here. It's, it's just oh, too hot here to LA is the best be
6: place to be a goth.
3: I didn't know that. I didn't find my people yet. I, <laughs> I used to. I remember I drove down to like go to Helter Skelter a couple times when I was like in college, but I never went to a bat day. But it always, I found it very endearing that so many goths would congregate in the daylight because that is not what. You, of course, that's not what you. <laughs> so do. not goth.
5: So many parasols. Yeah. I love that picture of the (laughs) cure at the beach. Oh i've never yeah. seen it it's so funny they're the cure but they're at the beach and they look so uncomfortable i think you just oh, i our know our that picture, picture. it's Next so week. amazing yeah. yeah 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 and that to me is like the so-called so-called goth because i'll go i think there is a thing where people go in this like beach goth direction where you're like i'm gonna wear all the clothes because <laughs> <laughs> who expects that in a hundred degree weather
0: least of all <laughs> you wearing all the clothes <laughs> that's what i mean it's hard to be goth here because it's like what do you do? Like no, the black tank top? You just go like, pastel goth.
5: I mean, my real, the real reason I could never be goth, because I tried. I tried in seventh grade. I was like, I'm really? going to be goth. But I like, I don't like wearing black. And every time I wear black, I'm like, this is, I always feel like I'm going to have to go to a choral performance. Yeah, there's some of that. I mean, I was like a closet
6: goth, kind of in a very literal sense. Like I had a closet that. Had a bunch of goth stuff in it, but was no by no means my daily wardrobe. (laughs) But every once, but I had a
5: goth closet. (laughs) I did have a
6: goth closet. I had like knee-high lace-up boots that were like pointy and had like a heel that I couldn't walk in. I had all these like black petticoats and like. Uh, like anything that my grandma had that I uh, I could take, like or inherited from her, that was black, I would take. So all this sort of like l- decrepit lacy shit. And every once in a while, I would have a goth day, which was always a, a great uh, a source of self expression. I think I wanted to be able to commit more to being a goth, but I also wanted to like do other things too. So.
3: But goths hate Halloween just because there are a lot of people who are like, look, I'm goth today, and you're like, this is yeah. my every was so always like a, I
6: remember I was in college, my first
3: year of college, and I, can't, I walked into my dorm room, and my not goth roommate was wearing all of my clothes, and she's like, "From Halloween, I'm you, but sexy," and I was like, <gasps> "You bitch." Well, I was not virgin, <laughs> and I did play Magic the Gathering a lot, so she had a point.
5: I was no, wasn't no you, way. Mm,
3: I wore a lot Nobody of. Nobody got laid
5: more in college than the people who played Magic the Gathering, at least at our college. That's true.
0: The Larpers had like the biggest. Sex scene. They were all every like, weekend too. It was like you have no plans, but you know, the Larpers do. <laughs> you have plans. You're not invited. <laughs> that's exactly what Elon Musk. Well, Larping is like of. the
6: most LARPing. uninhibited thing you can do in public yeah. in a group. I feel like but it's, it's also- a really good precursor to sex. <laughs> Hey guys, so it's Nicole from It's Happening with Snooky and Joey, and I have a night call for you guys. So I totally believe in aliens,
8: and I always have this presence of aliens in my house. I know it sounds crazy, but um, the greys, I've always been, not like attracted to, but always like interested
6: in. Um, and I always feel like there's alien presence around me ever since I was
1: little. So can you tell me about the greys and what I've been feeling?
5: Some people pre-program their mixes, especially people who play, like, big shows like that oh. all the time. Uh, but also, you know, more gonna, honest to just have the ghost DJ.
0: Just, like, personally, I'm going to keep the dream of DJ Poly D alive because, like... I was
5: going to say, Poly D might really know how to spin.
0: I think, you know, listen, he has that Italian flag laptop. Like,
5: I think he knows what's going on. We all love DJ Poly D and fully Absolutely. believe that he knows how to beat
0: match. Oh, I would 100% have sex with him. <laughs> like... <laughs> 100%. Yeah. It wouldn't take anything. It would take no effort on his well, part. Well, I'm just saying, you know, Nicole called into the pod. So yes. we do have a connection. Oh, yeah. in. He called in. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I need to listen to that. I'm Snooky.
5: Obst- tell your aliens to send DJ Polly D to night yeah. call. Yes. Um, Snooky, you can tell Polly D that I have been to Italy. And even though I'm not Italian, I was raised Catholic. And I, I am DTF. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Los Angeles. I am easy to find. <laughs>
7: hey night call this is kate i'm calling with a spooky story for you it's something that ha- has happened to me recently uh in the past couple of weeks probably two weeks uh i've been getting calls from um a private number so i assume someone who has i think star 67 in their number so i can't see the number it's, it's private it's blocked and the first couple of times i missed it or ignored it because who answers private numbers um and it never left a message uh then finally I picked it up. I was in a car with some friends, and I put it on speaker just to be like, what's going on? And it, the first thing I hear is, hello, like the um, ice cream truck thing, that voice that's like, hello. And then it starts with an ice cream truck song. I can't remember if it's the Scott Joplin song or um, do your ears hang low or whatever. But anyway, it's a recording of the ice cream truck, and it just loops um so obviously i was pretty freaked out um and i kept getting the calls for the next couple of days and and i I only answered it like one or two more a two more times um but each time it was the exact same thing and luckily it just um so then i just started ignoring them obviously um and it never left a message uh so that was the biggest blessing because i hate uh voicemails um especially creepy (laughs) ice cream truck loops um, but so this got me thinking, uh, uh, if you all have ever had an experience that made you feel like you were actually trapped in uh, a horror film. Um, but luckily the calls have actually stopped. Um, I almost hesitated to make this call cause I didn't want to jinx anything. So anyway, that's my spooky story. Um, and, uh, let me know what you think. Okay. Bye.
5: Kate called us with a night call about how she was getting mysterious calls from, an ice cream truck that would say, hello? Hello. Hello. A scary ice cream truck. And she didn't know why. And we heard about it a lot. A lot of people uh, suggested a reply all article episode that uh, implied it was a scam. We were waiting to see if we would ever find out. And now we found out.
0: Tess, would you like to do the honors? I would love to. This comes from Kate. Hey, night call. Per your request, I called back and left another message explaining what happened. Here's a backup email in case my call cuts out again. I'm in a rural area. Sometimes service is bad. We're relying on the email because... Oh, right. Because she
5: called back and it got cut off. That's why we were like, oh, we're never going to find out. But
0: now, okay, go on. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Back to Kate. The big reveal came as I was leaving New Orleans a few weeks ago. Some friends came over to say goodbye. And when they said, we have something to confess, I realized immediately that they were the ice cream truck ghost. They would call me number blocked and hold the phone up to this YouTube video, which she links. I had apparently mentioned to them in passing several months ago that I used to live near an ice cream truck depot in Brooklyn in Bushwick off the Morgan L stop. So I would often hear the "Hello!" hello and the songs from my window. I probably should have placed this together, but instead I spun out an elaborate and terrifying theory in my head, story of my life. Anyway, I'm relieved it was just my friends being goofy. However, I still believe that ice that ice cream trucks are deeply haunted. Wow. So it was interesting. Yeah, everybody... We got like 15 emails or something um, suggesting we listen to this Reply All episode, but there were differences between what Kate had originally described and the scam that they looked into on Reply All, which I obviously is such a good podcast and you should listen to. Um, But yeah, it was was just her friends punking her. Right, which is also scary. It is kind of scary. But it's it's funny that you would mention something haunting and then forget it because that's totally something that I could picture It's also funny
5: you would forget mentioning that you lived next to an ice cream truck depot.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
5: Because that's (laughs) hilarious and awesome, but also it makes more sense that way because it's such a specific Brooklyn... Everybody in Brooklyn is like, oh, yes, the ice cream truck that goes, hello. (laughs) Hello. This next night
6: call is from uh, a true Stan.
8: Hi, I'm Emily's mom. And I remember 2008 because Emily and I went on a road trip uh, across the country from Arkansas to Washington State. That's all I was going to share some details about that. Bye.
2: 25, they, 23,
6: they. Followers that know us from the hoodies days have definitely heard us at least make threats to a Big Chill
5: uh, special. I liked this movie. It was sad. Why sad? Well, I mean, maybe it wasn't sad. I, I don't know. It was definitely less like peak 80s than I was expecting. I realized like as I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is like 1983. This is kind of like almost still a 70s movie. It's just kind of like a story about some people with some problems. It's very much right. like a play. It's uh, like, yeah, it is. A, it's a total play. And I saw like that like it was also, it's kind of like it. a loose remake of Rules of the Game, he said. Oh. It's like a French country estate, but it's just like a, you know, a country house and some white yuppies who are having a lot of issues. Right. But
0: having fun having their issues.
5: Well, okay, this is what I'm going to say, is I thought, it, the reason I thought it wasn't maybe depressing because I was like, is this like an upbeat ending, spoiler alert, like everybody has sex at the end during like a lightning storm. This movie is very horny. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was like, this movie Mm -hmm. is sort of like, it's like at first it's all sad about like, oh, you've made all your choices and you're stuck now in your life forever with your like boring life that you chose. Um, Nothing like the fun life you thought you were going to have when you were a hippie living in a co-op with your cool friends. And now you're confronting it in a funeral scenario. But then at the end it's like everybody kind of is like, "Oh, actually we still can change our minds about stuff still and like let your friend's husband knock you up." Which is, yeah, I that's guess.
0: one of that's two the-
6: really <laughs> wild plot points, I think. That's Is that the transformative moment though? Is that like when when everybody realizes they still have that Good old hippie commune. I think so, because they're like,
5: we're going to make a baby together as like a friend. It takes a village.
0: But then there's also the fact that Nick, who's William Hurt, um, decides to stay in the house with Chloe. It's like a haunted house movie. It is. It's
5: the haunting of chill house. Yep.
6: Is Meg Tilly like always, always doing stretches and like like uh, doing contortions and a a leotard because she's young and flexible.
5: Yeah, of course. And because it's to show that it's the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, like flexible
6: metaphorically. She's doing more like, you know.
5: Well, they don't really. It's funny. They feel like they include her. They're not like mean to her just because she's like the young. I
0: mean, Glenn Close is giving her some side eye. But I think at one point Meg Tilly's character, Chloe, They're all like waxing nostalgic and then they ask her about her past and she's like, oh, I don't really talk about the past because I don't care about it as much as you guys. So she kind of represents the like she's not nostalgic yet because she's still at a point where she's still like idealistic and anything can happen in her life. And like she's just enjoying her. She's in her 20s, man.
6: It it feels like she's more uh, she doesn't have a tight group of friends though like they do she's that also drifter. seems she's yeah she's a drifter she's like seems like she's just dated a series of older men and like she says something to the effect of i don't know that many happy people or something yeah um, like that i think she's secretly the greatest character
5: but, <laughs> um, no she is a great character and yeah. like the leotard that she's doing, the stretches in at the beginning, is like very specifically such an '80s leotard that oh, yeah. would, like put me in a weird state of mind. Uh, Can you
0: imagine how hard it would be to pee if you were wearing a leotard over tights? It's just I impossible. mean, I remember how hard it was yet- to pee wearing a leotard over tights, <laughs> and yet
5: everyone did. Um, I was saying to I found all of the men in this movie very attractive. But who most?
0: Who most of all? Uh,
5: Uh, Well, you know, I know that this is like a basic take to be attracted to Jeff Goldblum, but I was never a person who was attracted to Jeff Goldblum for many years. And like suddenly I was like, Jeff Goldblum. Wow. What a charming guy. Uh, very good at taking imaginary phone calls in movies. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'll tell you who I was most attracted to, and that would be Mary Kay Place. Oh well, Mary Kay Place. Mm. Is, Mary Kay Place is the beating the heart movie. of this movie. Yeah, and then there's William
6: Hurt. Yes, obviously um, Nick Carlton, who's a veteran. He's he a fought. Vietnam vet, fat and vet- impotent in Vietnam. Vietnam vet. He yeah what? he cannot get a boner or some or or does I don't know it's my unclear. husband was like his
0: dick was
5: blown off
0: yeah. I is was that like, it okay it? Never I, said. it's not like, it? not really no, about it but I was
5: envisioning it. the like born on the fourth of July like pulling your tube out
0: yeah there's something that's Ooh, what I imagined jeez um, he also does a lot of drugs. And oh yeah, I find him to be the least attractive in this film. He's to be a babe though, still. Uh, mannerisms wise,
6: and the dryness of his his sense of humor, he is the number one babe. Number uh, one, babe, wise, really? See, this is great. Level. wise, not nah, not exactly. <laughs> but I
5: like stoic, interesting stoic babe. Hey
4: friends, it's. 1.15 in the morning on a Tuesday, which in my life means I'm just finished up with Tabletop RPG Night uh, during the week and returned home, occasionally scouring the Internet for uh, new ideas or games we might play in the future, uh, and stumbled upon a post from a uh, Reddit user Funnel27 that is uh, a Frasier RPG, Tabletop RPG entitled Boss Dragons and Scrambled Eggs. So obviously, I thought of the three of you, and whether or not you've had any experience with tabletop RPGs, and if so, if you'd be interested in playing uh, an RPG with Niles, Fraser, Lilith, and Daphne. Have a have a good evening.
2: Wow.
5: Well, guys, would you like to read some passages from Kelsey Grammer's? Would yeah, I? So far. <laughs> and thank you very much
6: to Ben for compiling these. This oh. is this is he is our Roz. He, he just spent like two hours skimming through this book, the ebook of so far dot dot
0: dot. Years after my sister had died, a friend of hers told me this story. One night she and Karen had been talking of life and family and where we all were going. Karen stopped and thought for a minute and then said, I'm not so sure about myself, but I do know this Kelsey's gonna do it all. And so I dedicate this book to Karen Elisa Grammer. Karen, if I haven't done it all, I promise I will still keep trying. It's pretty that's pretty uh,
5: exemplary of well. It's wow. so like it's like everyone in his life is like, "Kelsey, you are the greatest man." You're the golden been. child. And he's like, "I know. I know.
2: Um, I'm wonderful." Read,
5: here's here's the story of how Kelsey got cast on Cheers. Okay. And it's called Weirdness in Kelsey's Life by our producer Ben. <laughs> 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 they looked at stand-up comics and they looked at actors and then they found me. They found me because every moment of my life led them (laughs) to finding me. (laughs) (gasps) But on the surface level, where the strands of causality are most visible, (laughs) they found me because I had been in a Stephen Sondheim musical called Sunday in the Park with George. And that was weird. I use this word advisedly to to that point, my life had included such weirdness as the murder of my father, (gasps) the rape and murder of my beloved and only sister, the drowning deaths of my two half-brothers, and a marriage that went south even before the ceremony. But it was definitely weird that I ever got to sing on stage in New York, because the thing of it was, when I was chosen for Sunday in the Park with George, I was in my late 20s and I hadn't sung since I was in high school.
0: What? So weird. Like, as if that's anywhere near as, uh, what? (laughs) What?
5: Wow. I would also say that my friend listened to the rest of the book on her drive back to San Francisco. Uh, What did she... I want to hear everything. Oh, just that it was bananas. Um, Yeah, I recommend uh, listening to the audiobook. I wanted to draw your attention to this Vox interview with a pair of Harvard Divinity School researchers who published a paper in 2015 that suggested that millennials are substituting CrossFit and SoulCycle for traditional organized religions. I know you have a particular affinity for the occult, and while this may be its exact opposite, it may hold some interest for you for that very reason. It feels like another instance of new businesses filling the vacuum created by the loss of old institutions. Guys. Well, as a
6: person who's, as I was saying, my favorite, um, my favorite hot take on everything is, it's church! Um, <laughs>
5: A Star is Born. We all saw A Star is Born. Emily saw it first at a film festival, and then we all saw it when it came out
0: in theaters. And the only moment that made me feel something very deeply in that film, spoiler spoiler, was uh-huh. when he wet his pants at the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: no. And I, I, like,
0: got down in my seat. I, like, hunkered down, and I didn't know, like, yeah. whether I was going to cry. I was just very—I was, like, really disturbed, and it was a good, good it, scene. It's funny,
5: because, like, having watched all the other versions, like, I knew that was coming, uh-huh. and yet when it happened, when they, like, got up to, like, oh, I was like, oh, she's going to win the Grammy, and then he's going to get on, spe- on stage and make the speech, because that's what happens in every version— yeah. Um and then when he like wasn't talking he just kind of stood there. I was like oh, started gonna, falling asleep. He's yeah. going to piss himself. You knew. You knew. I, knew. I didn't know. <laughs> well I was just you like know, Jack?
10: Yes, I did. There's there's How? a lot of foreshadowing in that movie. There's there's a there's an
4: actual shot Did he drink early... like
6: a whole bottle of water before he went stage?
4: No, he as he sits down he's like I was trying to go to the bathroom but somebody like rushed me down
10: to the seat.
0: Nice. I catch. didn't notice that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he
10: was like they pulled me out of the bathroom or something. Whoa. Um, Can so yeah. shadowing.
0: Yeah. Molly, <laughs> how does that play out in the other versions? Like what's that scene like? In every version, it's that she
5: finally gets like you know, she's becoming a star yeah, and she the wins a big award, award of her career. The award of her career and he's won it before and then he gets up there and just like like ruins it by being so embarrassing.
2: Hey, night call. It's 5.51 in upstate New York, and I'm doing one of my favorite things, which is walking my dog and listening to your podcast. And the one I'm listening to today is the discussion about the cremains cookies. And it made me think of something my wife has joked about for the last five years, ever since our previous dog died, which is eating his uh, cremains. So not, you know, like a whole bowl of ash but just you know, like a dip pinky into it and be done with it At dip least, your I'm assuming she's joking she hasn't done it yet but uh you, you all discuss whether it's better or worse if it's a family member or not and i'm asking if it's better or worse if it's a pet so anyway <laughs> happy night call bye
9: there, there might be ghosts tapping me on the shoulder all the time right now, and and, and I'm just missing them, but I, it's been a long time.
6: I feel like we don't have enough time to go over all of them, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is really saying something like that's impressive in and of itself. But we had a few that we definitely wanted to hear from you, maybe in
9: ascending
6: order of spookiness. Yeah, maybe we can um, get some
5: spooky sound effects under this, Yeah, like a, yeah. <laughs> a ghostly wind.
9: <laughs> I didn't bring my own, so... You don't <laughs> So if you go to uh, the Brand Library in Glendale, um, there's a path, if you go there at night, there's a path that leads up into the hills behind it. Um, And if you go go up, you you walk up that path about 15 minutes, and you'll see a a small, a a little trail that goes off it. And you'll notice when you go down the trail that the temperature suddenly drops. You come to a wrought iron gate uh enclosing a pyramid way up in the mountains there's a pyramid there's a stone pyramid about I'd say about 15 20 feet high uh in, in in the hills above above glendale it is the brand family and I, I believe the brand family built glendale over mm-hmm. there um, have
5: either of you guys been there it is so Con- spooky have you been there no, I haven't. Oh, when you yeah. come soon, we will go. We'll a, There's we'll a pyramid a is what we're going to get to. And everybody I know who goes there says it's like the weirdest place. Yes.
9: And what ha- this is how weird it was for my friends, four of whom went there and told me the story together and swear by it. Uh, so you go there at night and the, the, fin- the, the gate is closed. So you have to climb over it. And they came in and they brought a Ouija board. So they climb over it. They feel very weird. They sit down. They put the disc on the, the Ouija board, and it just starts spitting by itself. It starts spitting wildly. And then they're in the car, their car on the freeway driving home.
0: Just like a time leap? They all no lost the
9: time in between. What? Yes.
0: Did they get rid of the Ouija board?
9: I don't know if the Ouija, if the Ouija board was with them still. Interesting. That's what I it might know. still be there.
6: Yeah. I'll go Ooh. get it, you guys. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Or what? let's just bring another one. Was, was that an offering? Another demon story? Yeah,
9: number three. So well, um, well, that was
6: not the one that I thought you were gonna tell. So I'm very curious. Uh the one you the... I remember you telling me at Italy
2: <laughs>
6: <yeah. laughs> <laughs> was was about um it was like somebody said that you had somebody said that you had opened up your, your, your soul to,
9: to a ghost flood or The Ouija board, at. I was at, at the, a haunted ca- coffee shop and... Wait,
0: a, wait, which haunted coffee shop?
9: The, the All-Star Cafe that used to be in the, the Knickerbocker Hotel, in front of which uh, D.W. Griffith died. Okay. Um, it, uh, the Knicker, I think the hotel has been bought by Scientology now, and the cafe doesn't exist anymore, but uh, uh, huh. they, they claimed it was very haunted. And they had a Ouija board, and my friend and I were uh, were playing with this the, the Ouija board, and the board started telling us things horrible things were going to happen to our friends. It sort of it, it, it was it was spelling very it was the, the quickest the Ouija board has ever worked for me. It was saying like one friend of hers is going to die in a car accident, and other it was like, but it was it was kind of like jokey horrible things. But uh, we asked him who he was, and he said he was a nine year old boy named named Max. And you spell that, and as we were leaving, um, we said to the owner, he, he says, "Did you get anything on the Ouija board?" So yeah, someone was really going crazy. They were like, "Oh, was it Max, a nine-year-old?"
0: What? <laughs> but wait, were a ton of people bringing Ouija boards to the coffee shop? Did they? There have was a never Ouija board a ton there? of people
9: in that. They yeah. had a Ouija board there. Oh, okay.
0: it was their house Ouija?
9: So it oh, might have been
0: weird. That's
9: crazy. Yeah. At the, around the time that 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 happened, and uh, talking to my friends with their, brand cemetery experience, I was at a dinner, a group dinner, and there was this, uh, there was this old Native American gentleman. Uh, was, this is
6: the story I think that you told yeah. me. It was yeah, was yeah, yeah. sort
9: of a, a shaman type, uh, self styled shaman, uh, but and a lot of people held him in very high regard, but. Uh, I started chatting about these ghost experiences, and he looked at me, and he said, he said, you shouldn't be fooling with this. And and I was like, ah, it's, no, you know, just having fun with the work. Kids will be kids. What are you, you going <laughs> to do? And he kind of looked, he was like looking in the space around me, and he's like, you're opening yourself up to the spirits. And I was... I said, well, they're welcome to come visit. I don't, I don't have anything against them. He, he looked at me more and he slammed his fist down. and was like, no, you are a coffee cup. Your coffee cup is empty. The spirits are coffee. That coffee wants to be in a cup. What? Whoa. <laughs> was this what? That is Lynch? what you're doing. Yeah.
6: <laughs> so you guys finally got around to seeing Phantom Thread. We did. Um, tell me about your experience.
5: Well, now I have an excuse to post the caption, give me thread till I'm dead, that I've been planning <laughs>
2: on. <laughs>
0: I'm going to let Tess take it. Tess, oh, don't do this. Tess, encouragement? Um, I have a lot of good things to say about Phantom Thread, things I liked, but in the end, I'm going to say that I probably liked it the least of all of us. Interesting. Um, two of my favorite scenes that I thought Made it a great movie for me. Alone was um, the dunking of a spear of asparagus into congealed butter. The uh, sound effects of eating—I I love all of these things. And then um, there was an exchange between between the House of Woodcock. <laughs> 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 get it together! How which, old are get you? it together! <laughs> uh, there, uh, look, I thought it was a very very funny movie. I, I thought it was beautiful and very luscious, and I also was kind of like I don't care at I don't care very much about the um, relationship between a narcissistic uh, artist and his muse. Molly's Aww. sitting here like gleefully smiling. She loved it. I loved it. <laughs> she loved it. <laughs> I loved it.
5: And then I went home and I made a list. This is the first time I've taken notes for the podcast. Ooh, I'd
2: like to read uh, my,
5: Smith. Like to read my notes. Phantom Thread notes. Uh <laughs> eyes wide shut is my first note. My second note is Sam and Diane. <laughs> um the Phantom of the Opera. Uh Porte? Wuthering Heights. Those are my notes. Prede Porte the Altman film yeah oh my God,
6: Let's bring it back. the most that hated Alman well, film of all time. Well, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's no, good... it's it is what it is. How would you describe your 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 feeling after leaving the movie because I had a very particular one?
5: Uh. I mean, you said you really needed a stiff drink. We really needed a stiff drink in like the middle.
8: Yeah, <laughs> mm. we had a stiff
0: drink
5: break. <laughs> it, it does make you. I mean, we we're we we're talking about it in, in terms of mother a lot too, because I was like, "Are you more or less stressed out than you were during mother?" And Tess uh. was like, "I'm less stressed out, but I'm also like less engaged." Yeah.
6: Huh. Interesting. So I see. I think these two movies are so. Like they hit a lot of the same themes in a way that I think is like it's very fortuitous that we are doing them back to back, because yeah, it's like this this very particular the the, the this domineering creative male persona and his wife slash partner slash muse living with him. Uh, yeah, but
5: who else relates to the dominating male persona?
6: What? That's one of the reasons why I had to, like, go take a drink afterwards, because I was like, <laughs> I'm both of them at the same time.
5: <laughs> Lucky you. And I you.
6: don't know which one. I Like, I don't know how to feel about this movie. I don't know how to feel about what it portends for.
5: <laughs> Tess was like, what do you think it was about? I was like, it's about how, like, marriage is, like, mutually agreeing to, like, kill each other slowly over a long period of time. Yeah. like... A little bit of poison. Well, do you know the story
6: that um, Paul Thomas Anderson has told about it, as far as its origins as, as an idea? Yes, because I read everything. Okay, but yeah. I don't,
0: I don't. So, tell I mean, us. it's
6: kind of love. So it's it's that you know he is married to Maya Rudolph, and it's one of the most enviable, I would say, one of the more enviable show business marriages. And um, he's an artistic man, and I'm sure that he's maybe not always the easiest person to live with, um, and. There was some point at which he got really, really sick, and was laid up in bed. And Maya Rudolph was like feeding him and taking care of him, and like realizing that, you know, when he's kind of taken off of his game or like forced into <laughs> into physical submission via illness, that like suddenly their relationship was so much more tender and loving. And uh, that was the that was the beginning of the the movie. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: Molly found an interesting quote. From Jennifer Lawrence on Phantom Thread. Yes. She said, I got through about three minutes of it. I put in in a good solid three. I'm sorry to anybody who loved that movie. I couldn't give that kind of time. It was three minutes and I was just oof. Is it just about clothes? Is Reynolds Woodcock kind of like a narcissistic sociopath and he's an artist, so every girl falls in love with him because he makes her feel bad about herself and that's the love story? I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I've been down that road. I know what that's like. I don't need to watch that movie. Laughs. (laughs) Okay, first of all, relatable
5: queen Jennifer Lawrence uh, doing the thing I always do, which is to tell you a whole opinion about a movie you haven't seen. (laughs) (laughs)
10: Uh I have a private wood shop. Um, mostly as a hobby. I do some side work, I've been doing it for years. Uh, this friend of mine this weekend introduced me to a friend of hers who had a job they wanted done. And I should preface that by saying that over in a suburb of the city near where we live, uh back in I think it was two thousand fourteen There was this horrible crime. It was like a murder scene, literally, where a person was killed and some other people were injured. And it was really bloody. And they've had no ability to, like, sell or rent the property since then. And people go in there and sneak in there sometimes, mostly kids and stuff. Anyway, this young woman, she has a piece of wood, which she claims, and I have no way to prove this, that she and a couple of her friends pried this piece of wood out from where all the bad things happened. And, again, I don't know if it's true. It's a nice, big, heavy uh, piece of wood that has some weird discoloration on it. Anyway, they wanted to know if I would make them a Ouija board and a planchette out of it. Um I'm not saying I believe in all that stuff, but I'm also in no way saying I don't believe in it to the point where I think about it. And I know that some people who play with spirit boards and things, um, and they have, like, pictures of the kind they want. It's just, like, this Eastern European, really old Gothic-style one. I know people who use it, you always hear stories like they get like maybe entities attached to them or something like that. And it never ends well. But what about the person who's like the carpenter who just makes it? I mean, if they're not using it, they're not playing with it. They're not trying to talk to anybody or communicate with anything. I I guess my question is, if you were in my position, would you just say, stop overthinking this and go ahead and take the job? Because I could definitely use the cash. Uh, And it does sound like kind of a cool project. Hey guys, this is The Woodworker, who apparently has now become known as the guy with the murder board, Um, calling to give you an update, I guess. Uh, I listened to the show and all the advice you had and the commentary, there's a lot to think about, really appreciated that. Uh, I had no idea that your fans were going to get so interested and start having polls and things, but anyway, just to Clear up a couple things. Um, a lot of people asked about it, was it unsolved? Uh, no, the murder was not unsolved. The person uh, who did it was in the house when the police ar- they were found like immediately. So it's not a thing where you can you know solve the mystery and be like Nancy Drew or whatever. Um, I guess the other update is that I did decide to take the job uh, after listening to a lot of feedback, including yours. Um, So that's pretty much it. Uh, I got a couple things in front of it, and I already told them it's going to take probably at least two months, but I will try to email you some pictures when it's done. No, I do not think I am opening a portal of death to anything. I, you know, and (laughs) as far as the questions about the wood that was used, no, I, I cannot prove that that would have blood on it. It has weird discolorations. I'll, I'll send you a picture, uh, but again, you know, it's a paying customer and how much I believe in it, I don't know. Hopefully my next call will not involve my basement turning into like an Indian barrel ground with, you know, tombstones coming up to the floor, but, uh, that's pretty much it. And, you know, thanks for answering the question and, uh, take care.
5: Since you mentioned this week about wanting to hear updates on any weirdness going on and my dreams, I'd figure I'd
0: get it out of the way in two parts. I've been trying to stay aware of anything odd going on besides these recurring dreams, which I'll get to in a moment. For some reason, my phone's camera has been blurring out or going dark taking these shots. It doesn't do that normally, but the lighting in my shop isn't great, so that it could account for it. The only really weird thing that happened took place Friday night. My neighbor Mark was over and we were in the kitchen talking about the board. While we're talking, all of a sudden we both heard this loud sound. The only way I can describe it is like the sudden burst of wings of a lot of birds. I swear it sounded like it came from downstairs in the shop. Mark said he thought the sound came from outside but the window was closed. Like an idiot, I grabbed a baseball bat and went down the stairs, creeping and peeking around corners like the guy in a horror movie that you just know is going to be the next one to die. I got down there and saw nothing. As to the dreams you mentioned, it's really only just the one dream, but I've had it at least five or six times. In the dream, I'm in a house, but it's not my house. The murder board is there and it's completely finished and beautiful, but it's grown gigantic, so it's the size of the entire wall of the room I'm in. I somehow know there's supposed to be a door there and I need to go through it, but the murder board has no door in it, and I'm frantically trying to find a way to get wherever it is I'm supposed to go, but I can't. In one of the dreams, the ink on the board was running down across it. Then I wake up. Thank you so much for that update. This has been uh, a wild ride. So we had an email preceding this that said that um, the person who had uh, ordered the murder board, she was kind of shamed on social media, called a witch, all of this stuff. And then her parents found out and they're religious. Hmm. How did how did they find her? I are think they like she... our listeners? No, no, no. I think she was talking about this. I think she told her parents or something. No, she I think she told some of her friends and then her friends started like giving her shit on social media and then her parents found out and her parents were are very religious and they were furious. They forbade her from finishing the purchase of the murder board. So our woodworker was allowed to keep the deposit, but that wasn't very much money. And then she said, you know, she wouldn't take the murder board. So now he's left trying to figure out what to do with this thing if he wants to. I think the options were kind of like burn it, get rid of it. The other one was to keep it as kind of like a showcase because he sent us pictures and it actually is like gorgeous. It's really, <laughs> yeah, really he did cute. an amazing it's job. It's so well done. It's nice work. So he could keep it as an example of what he can do, which I think is probably a pretty good choice other than it means keeping a cursed object. And then the third one is finding a different buyer. But one options. who
5: won't who won't for, know the origin or no
0: well i think he was asking if that's ethical i actually don't think that is he i think you have to tell people yeah, yeah
5: he was saying he, would, you, he wouldn't feel comfortable selling it to somebody without telling them it's cursed but he also yeah. doesn't want to sell it to, <clears> to someone <throat> who knows it's cursed and wants to use and it and wants evil. it for that
4: hey uh my name's andrew there is a traveling museum of the paranormal and my understanding is that um, it's, a, it's a husband and wife who run it. Um, she is, I believe, a medium or some kind of psychic. Um, no, she's a witch. She is like a Wiccan witch. And he is just like, I don't know, he's her fucking husband, whatever. I think he's also like a journalist, but not, whatever. The point is, they have a traveling museum of the paranormal. Um, and they have all kinds of haunted and cursed objects. So when there is some kind of concern, um, people can call them uh, and come by, take a look, figure out what the deal is. So I think that if they were willing to, um, you know, like swing by and potentially pony up a little, that um, the Traveling uh, Museum of the Paranormal would be a great home uh, for the murder Board. So, I just wanted to uh, throw that out there.
5: Seems seems like a great idea. Seems like a possible a I think this story.
0: is I think it solves it. I think that's like this was all meant to be because that would be the perfect ending to this story. Yeah. But we got a final update. I know I said last final update was the final update, but this is really the final update from the woodworker who made the murder board. So, um The woodworker contacted the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult, which was a suggestion that one of our listeners called in and said maybe that's the best place for the murder board. Uh, he says, I didn't have much hope that they would be interested, but I sent an email to the curator, Greg Newkirk. To my great surprise, he got back to me within a day and was very interested. He's listened to the podcast and knows the history of the murder board. He immediately requested more background information and pictures, but made it clear they would like to have it. He was very informative and helpful. Long story short, the board was mailed out today and they will begin whatever study they do on such things when it arrives. A couple of days later, there was a tweet from the Paranormal Museum.
6: This this just like made our day. So we got a tweet uh, from at the Paramuseum, the Paranormal Museum's Twitter account. They said, hey, Night Call Pod, we received a package at the museum PO box this afternoon. Take one guess what was inside. And then a little picture of the note that the woodworker attached to it that says, as discussed, please find and close the murder board. As much as I almost don't want to know, please keep me updated with what, if anything, you find and what the future holds for the piece. Yeah, all as well that, that ends well. It's a I, really beautiful
5: just... story.
2: <laughs>
5: What's so great about Art Bell is that, yeah, it didn't matter if you really believe in the conspiracies or not, because it's about just sort of going to those weird places of the mind of like, what if, all, you know, I think. To most people, it's, like, satisfying to make connections where there are none, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, wouldn't it make more sense if everything did have all these weird interconnections and the world all was a universal theory of lizard people? Yeah. Um, It
6: can just get politicized so easily. But when it's just, like... I
5: wonder why that is the way it is. Yeah. It's just like a weird, like, Im- imaginary playground, kind uh, of. Caleb Horton wrote a really great thing about Art Bell that he reposted on his Twitter uh, that. He wrote a while ago, but it was just about Art Bell and about how like Art Bell is the perfect thing to drive long distances to. Oh, yes. No, that's my that's my relationship with. And he was saying it's also because it's like that's when you really have time to like meditate on like what are those lights in the distance? Like, what's that weird grain silo I just passed? And that Art Bell really just, you know, creates this environment where you're allowed to just like indulge in wondering about those things. Like, what if it was planted there by the aliens?
6: And just the, the Colin aspect too is, I mean, it just creates this sort of, it kind of feels like the radio equivalent of the kind of internet that we talk a lot about that sort yeah. of lost the kind of mm-hmm. ungentrified weirdos-only
5: and Yeah, message board yeah, internet. Yeah, totally. Like, it's, it is a message
6: like board radio show. People I, who
5: care about aliens and who aren't, like, trying to get the biggest audience possible, yeah. but are just like, I have to find all the other people yeah. who know about I need it. to wave <laughs> my
6: freak flag
5: so that I can find my people. <laughs> um, so, yeah. that was a big reason we wanted this to be a call-in show. Yeah,
6: yeah. And well, yeah. The other thing is, like, yeah. I, th- I think that the the long drive thing is totally... I mean, that is... Like that is my it's not like I listen to Coast to Coast all the time, but definitely if I was on a road trip, I did.
5: What also is interesting about Art Bell is obviously the ways it overlaps with like Philip K. Dick and people like that, where you're like, how much of this might even just be in your head? Yeah. But also, like it's very interesting in your head, and I want to know. But it might be scary yeah. in there. Seems a little scary in there sometimes. Well, it's like, what are you experiencing? Like, you know, there's enough to make you feel paranoid, but to actually like uh, up uproot
6: your life and and take action in that. Well, way. that
5: also shows that maybe it's not like just a character, because obviously some radio personas are. Oh like no, a I don't think character. a character. At all. No, but the voice. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. such a. It's such a good voice. He yeah. has. I mean, he's so great at what he does. Yeah. That you know, George Nori sort of demonstrates what is so great about Art Bell mm-hmm. that is not just immediately replicable yeah. by anyone else. Yeah so it's interesting to talk we talk about this a lot because this is what the podcast is it's like we're like leftist conspiracy theorists <laughs> and preppers
6: like unite radical feminist conspiracy theories <laughs> but also
5: like radical like feminist one. conspiracy theories you know uh, yeah. are real Are real. <laughs> they're all true <laughs> oh, man Valerie Solanus was just writing what she knew Yeah. Um, <laughs>
6: Please make that the title. This is a this. hot pod today. <laughs> Very hot pod. Um, well, rest, rest, in, rest, in, rest pa- in peace, yeah. RFL, if you are. So that does it for our 2018 clip show here on Night Call. Again, thank you so much to all of our listeners and all, of our, all the people who called in and emailed and texted us and posted on our Facebook and tweeted at us. You are the engine that keeps the night call car (laughs) going through the night we also wanted to thank all of our guests we had such amazing guests this year so thank you to Claire Evans, Carvel Wallace Richard Lawson, Richard Rushfield Andrew T, Jen Romolini Brooke Baker, Allie Ward, Leslie Moon Darcy Wilder, Jack O'Brien and Ryan Johnson at our secret live show and also the magic of Emma and Anoop We'd also like to thank our amazing producers, Rachel Jacobs and Ben Hosley, the pro-doer. We'll see you all next year in 2019. Um, it's going to be a good one. We already have like 10 things we need to talk about, so I'm excited. It's
0: wet. It's wet. Oh, also, if you have recommendations for things that we should talk about in 2019, please give us a call at 240 night or an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, And she gon' plan for disasters Molly loved the valley Send you articles to freak you out Emily got the remedy Film music critic she could be yeah. Yeah. Apricorns or oh, Ivergo Libra yeah. We just tell her like it's gon' be